Hi folks, this podcast is recorded in a house with animals, one of whom has been sharpening her claws, Torty, on something in here. Your old footstool. Oh, my old footstool. Yeah, that's been a cat scratch thing for years now. And the other, at least one other, Smokey, is sitting behind me looking regal and hoping that I will feed him again today. (laughs) The other thing to mention is that we swear. Oh, do we ever. Quite a bit. Frequently, with gusto. Gusto. Much gusto. And so you should be aware that while we're not going to talk of an, talk about anything of an explicit nature, we have to mark the podcast explicit on iTunes and all that stuff because we swear a lot. Because they don't understand gray areas. Anyway, welcome to Productivity Alchemy episode 113. Wow. Later... This episode, I will have the interview I did with Jane Linskold and her husband, Jim Moore, at Bubonicon. Woo! Uh, that was a lot of fun. And we will talk about the differences between their productivity. It was kind of interesting to have a compare and contrast now that he's retired and that he's in a completely different business than she is. Right. So it he's was- He's an archaeologist or was an archaeologist. He was an archaeologist. He sort of consults now, but mostly he, yeah, he was an archaeologist and she's a writer. And it's great stuff. Really good stuff. talking to you some fascinating stuff about Obsidian. Yes. And uh, he's been sourcing – I don't know if you cover this in the podcast. I'm not No, no. But uh, he worked on uh, uh, – he's an archaeologist in New Mexico, and they were finding Obsidian there uh, used in uh, trade goods. Mm -hmm. And they managed to track – apparently, Obsidian has a very specific uh, fingerprint, for lack of a better term. So they were able to tell exactly where it came from. Mm -hmm. But uh, you have to get a lab to do that. So they finally did, and uh, they tracked it to one volcanic area in – somewhere in, I think, again, New Mexico. But the thing is that that particular type of Obsidian got all over – the world, or got all over the New World, basically. Really? Uh, well, it, there was a massive trade network in mm-hmm. the New World. Yeah, like you yeah. find parrot feathers in in New England from the Amazon that, uh, and, uh, okay. and Mexico that got traded northward. Um, maybe not the Amazon, but certainly uh, uh, Mexico, and uh, it was. It's big central trading hub, mm. and uh, it was pretty cool. That's, that is pretty cool that, that I was talking to, I believe I was talking to Jane about something else at the same time. So, wow. Uh, but we'll, we'll have that discussion a little later on. I think the big news this week in our productivity is we finished Hidden Almanac last Friday. Yes, we did. And I had, I had feelings. Oh, lots of feelings. A big yeah. project. When you finish it, you wander around going, if I'm not the person who does this project, who am I, and what do I do? It wasn't. It wasn't that. Uh, there was. There was sort of like a, a part of me is now adapting to not having the thing to do every Sunday, Tuesday, and Thursday. But like, I spent Sunday going. I'm forgetting something. Yeah. 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 Uh, and the now I'm not mourning the characters because the characters, as we've said on the podcast, on, on that podcast and in other places, the characters will be back. We love them too much to just let them go forever, but we can't maintain it. Th- I guess at this point we've got what we we're down to like a two podcast recording schedule. And one of those is like every other week. Yeah. We're not going to do three times a week ever again. I don't think that was, that was kind of murder. It was really hard. I mean, it would, mm-hmm. it would. 
certainly not scripted and certainly not for long periods. Yeah. Yeah, we uh I I don't know how TV writers do it. Then again, they only do what, 22 episodes a season? Yeah, I think they have like a sprint basically. Yeah. And also there's a lot more of them. That's true. And it's just you and me. And, mm. uh, yeah, and we we don't it wasn't there were there was collaborative work because as the characters evolved, there were points where both of us were like they wouldn't say that or I would say that's not word or that's not drama and and so there was a lot of that discussion and feedback, but we each, you know, took the majority of one aspect of the production work for ourselves, you doing the script writing and, and I was doing the recording and production. And yeah, and, mm-hmm. and I mean, you were totally the voice of Mord. I don't oh, want yeah. to undersell how much you made that character work. I, I, I just went with it. Yeah. yeah. I, I, once, once I got in, once I got in his mask, uh, <laughs> I wouldn't say in his head. I don't think I was ever really in Mord's head, but it's probably for the best. Mord's yeah. head is full of beetles, right? <laughs> but I think it's it's interesting now that it's done to look back and to have that. You've got that sense of accomplishment, and you've got that sense of loss, like. I've done this thing. It's done. What do I do now? Yeah. I'm not starting another podcast. That is absolutely. <laughs> no, know. and I'm not about to start another webcomic. I did that for a while, sort of it once I had, st- it was like a weird, you know, <laughs> I, I've finished doing this thing, the, these comic books. I, I, I am feeling a comic itch and, and it went and it exploded and then it stopped and maybe it'll happen again and I'll do more, but you know. yeah, you, it comes and goes. You do, you do, you've got sort of a thing you're working on slowly when you're in the mood versus adhering to a, a strict production schedule. And I think that's a good release because every so often you just have to draw comics. Yeah. It's weird. It's, it's a thing. Also, I got a new tool that made it really awesome and I just had to keep using the tool. That's true. That's yeah. true. And I, I, I do that with all sorts of things. Uh, I do that with, uh, in particular, I do that with productivity things. Yeah. Uh, my, my current new shiny tool is, of course, my Filofax that I picked up in Ireland at the uh, one stationery and pen store. And I can't remember the name of it now, but it was glorious. Absolutely glorious. It, it- was near the... Uh- it was near the Whiskey Museum. Which is itself near that one... Uh- the university that has the Book of Kells in it. Right. So, I mean, it was just like a holy land right there. <laughs> you know, whiskey, paper, planning products, and the Book of Kells. <laughs> just something for everyone. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, The other new tool is I finally broke down and, and got a new iPad and installed GoodNotes 5, which has been constantly recommended on all of the planning sites uh, when they talk about digital planning. And it is a really cool electronic notebook. This is one of those things where you were you were having a real bad cross-platform pr- thing because you had to oh, yeah. go to Mac because of your work. Yes. And so all of a sudden you couldn't cross-thing anymore. So at that point, in self-defense, you pretty much have to go to I, a Mac I OS. Pretty much have to go to iOS. And yeah, I have now, with the exception of what we'll call servers, quote unquote, in the house, I've converted almost all my personal productivity to Apple products because they integrate so well. The only thing I haven't upgraded because, oh my God, I thought the iPad was expensive. Uh, I haven't upgraded my phone yet. 
Yeah. One, I haven't finished paying off my only a year old phone, and I usually go about two years between phones. And the other is, I think the new iPhone is ugly. Uh, everybody, hold your comments to yourself. It just, <laughs> it just doesn't work for me. But uh, I'm probably going to end up caving unless there are some new cross-platform tools that really, really shine. Uh, because right now there's the whole thing that either you're on Android or iOS and apps that are cross-platform are, especially in the productivity space, are either terrible looking, just absolutely fugly and functional, or they are incomplete in so many ways. Like there are some great apps that are available for Android and iPhone both that don't actually talk to each other really well. Uh, there are apps on Mac that will do all this syncing as long as it's to an iOS device. And so it, it becomes a, what's the most frictionless way to get things done. And, you know, we'll, we'll see how it pans out over time, but for right now, I'm kind of enjoying having a new iPad to play with. Um, little miffed that I can't just copy over the games from my, the save games from my Android tablet to my iPad. But you know what? I've still got the Android tablet. So it's like, yes, I will play lemmings and I will play um, merge dragons on it. Although I think merge dragons might sink. I don't know. I haven't tried yet. And uh, I will use the iPad for productivity things. So yeah, I'm, I'm dual wielding tablets (laughs) sometimes at night. Uh, one that has all the Twitter and all that stuff on it, and one that has the game I'm playing. Oh, I guess triple wielding because I cannot read on a shiny screen anymore. Ah, uh, the Kindle I, has spoiled I, you. My Kindle has spoiled me so much. Okay, that's probably a combination of your Kindle has spoiled you yep. and your glasses prescription has slid even more. There's, into there's the a little abyss. bit. Of, I mean, I could do it. With the iPad, and I could do it. I could put the Kindle app on on either device. One, your the screen quality is very very different, and it doesn't it just doesn't seem to work as well. When we got the uh, our first paper whites before we went to Africa, mm-hmm. so that we couldn't if so that if we lost our iPads, we didn't have to take our iPads to Africa and, and worry about losing them and all that stuff. Yeah, so. Tenth yeah. of the cost, but we knew we were going to be sitting around a lot and yeah. needed something furthermore with very long battery life. Yeah. And I mean, that's been the, the end result is the Kindle battery life is amazing. Uh, it's much easier on my eyes for reading than any other screen I own. I mean, it's really, it is a purposefully built device. And I think it's, I, I it really succeeds and, and shines at that. Although I will admit I'm not on a paperweight anymore. I'm on the new, um, Oasis mm. with the even longer battery life and weighs even less than my paperweight did paperweight did. And I'm really happy with it. So you'll pry that out of my cold dead hands. I have no intention to pry anything out of your cold dead hands. Or, I'm hoping that I predecease you. Yeah. In, in another, otherwise I have to start doing my own laundry again. Yeah. Like my paperweight lasted forever. Oh yeah. yeah God. It, no. Yeah. We, we, until, until it just got too slow to use with the OS. I was like, we got our 80 bucks or oh, whatever yeah. it was on that sale out of the yeah, so hardcore. It's, it's going to be probably four or five years at least before I, I change out the, that device again. And that's kind of a nice feeling. Yeah. yeah. Right. You know, I, I kind of wish 
that many of the tablets and computers and things that I work on in other areas didn't have uh, a lifespan, a useful lifespan for me of, of closer to three years. I mean, if my big ass iPad, I knuckled the the Pro mm-hmm. that uh, which I hate how well it works <laughs> because it was expensive and I resented it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and it really does work with my workflow, and I really do draw mm-hmm. on it, and mm-hmm. it angers me. You, you haven't broken down to the point where you put Word on it and you're writing on it yet. It's um, I did that actually. That was why I kept trying to get you to get a hotspot for me in in uh, in Tibet, so I could. Oh, yeah, yeah. So there's that. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, it's uh, <laughs> yeah. I I resent how good it is. I resent it, it, it's like when I finally spent the money and upgraded to the new Photoshop or oh, yeah. to the Photoshop thing, and I had held off from doing that oh, for yeah. ages because I am fundamentally extremely cheap. And I was so angry at how good it was. Like, it infuriates me that I spent money on this thing and it might have been worth it. And it's just, and I realize that's not rational, but fuck. Well, the other thing is that in the past, and I've experienced this too with, with other things, but in the past, your upgrades have been painful. New workflows, new tools. New, oh, God, yeah. Yeah. And this one, the swearing was not that you had to learn new ways of doing things. The swearing was mostly they haven't implemented this feature yet in the new Photoshop, and why does it work so good, damn it? Just so, – and it was all the little tiny things that I had never even really thought about as flaws. like. Right live font updates and whatnot god just so real time yo so right and but that's the that's an experience i think that's really important when we talk talk about productivity is most of the time we might have a system or something that doesn't work for us very well but the friction the pain of having to change systems or update as doesn't feel worth it to us there's there's oh god no yeah there's a little bit of the sunk cost fallacy i've spent a lot of money on this thing why would i replace it and there's a lot of the it isn't perfect it does these things very very badly but i have it and it's what i know and changing is painful and like i i was very solid when i was doing the the children's book production art oh yeah that under no circumstances did I upgrade during a book. Oh, no. Like, I would not even install an update to a program like Painter because they broke it every time they updated. Just they would change where everything was located. And every time it took me an extra five seconds to find something. Mm-hmm. That was five seconds multiplied by using the tool 200 times in an illustration multiplied by 150 illustrations. Right. And so every time they would just even move it from where my muscle memory was, <laughs> I would lose 100 hours, you know, kind of yeah, thing. And yeah. it was like just so infuriating. So I would never, ever upgrade during a book. Right. And there's a lot of that. Same sort of thought that goes into many of the services we use very, very often. Like, you remember when Gmail was like, we are changing our user interface a couple years ago now. And they gave all this warning. Like, I was, uh, I, I have a Google Apps 
account for sunny.com mail and all that stuff because I don't want to manage it. And they told us, at least on the, and I'm putting this in air quotes, corporate buyers side, uh, the corporate IT side, we are making this change. Here's where you can, you don't have to turn it on until you want to. The rest of the world is going to get it. They really don't have much of a choice. You can decide when your organization changes it because at an organizational level, making a change like as, as simple as changing the look and position of some of the buttons on Gmail is a big deal when you've got thousands of people who are used to using it a certain way every day. It's, and a mm-hmm. lot of it is muscle memory. Right. I know I click here for this thing. Why is that? Okay, because that button's not there. Now I have to look for the button. Yeah, as yeah. as ugly as it is, the the way Microsoft Outlook or Word looks and feels and where buttons are located doesn't change that often. The change to ribbon in Office products with, I think it was Office 2007 or something ridiculous like that, hurt a lot of people. I still stumble around looking for tools in the damn ribbon toolbar on that application because I had spent the 20 years before it using Microsoft Office products and they were just there. Okay, maybe it wasn't 2007. It was probably 2012 or something like that. It's been a couple of years. Still not used to it because all of that ingrained stuff of how these tools work had been set in me, you know, Somewhere around Windows 3. See, also, every time someone says, well, the problem you're having is that you're working in Word, you should change what program you're working in. Let me just set you on fire and let you run around the yard and light up my life. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of friction involved in making that sort of switch. And, of course, the other we're going to light you on fire is why, yes, now let me explain to you how... No one in the publishing industry uses anything but uses word. anything but word. Yeah. Let me explain to you how in the corporate world, my company is not a Microsoft shop because reasons reasons. But like at my the company before it, we were a Microsoft shop. I mean, well, okay, the little company I worked for was a Linux shop, and. Yeah, but the whole idea there was that everything had to be, you know, there was consistency, supportability, and again, those big updates don't happen very often, so you've got that long lead time to train your people to the new way of doing things so that you're not just flooded with calls when the whole thing falls down, or when, when something new comes out that they don't understand. Totally unrelated. Totally unrelated. But possibly sort of related. Yes. I did a thing today. Did you do a thing today? I made an appointment for an ADD test. My goodness. Yes. I remembered to do it while I'm breaking in a new doctor, and suddenly I was like, wait, this is a thing I can do. (laughs) Yes. I was like, yes. And she was like, okay. Uh, And I'm like, yes, I kept meaning to do it, but I got distracted. And she looked at me and she said, are you often distracted? (laughs) And I said, I got out of the truck to take a photo of a bug. And half an hour later, I was in the backyard picking beans and my truck was in the driveway with the door open. (laughs) (laughs) yeah she said i will refer you to our mental health (laughs) behavior specialist um 
Good. Yes. Yeah, and we talked about the 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 possibility that you may have ADD. Oh, don't snicker when you say that. I said to my friend Carlotta, I think I may have DDD, and she said, no, this is my D- shocked face. DDD? As far as I know, you've only got... Just tons of Ds, all the Ds. I have so many... Wait, this is coming out really wrong. <laughs> Holy crap. Okay, forget I said anything about having the D. As, as, as far as I know, the, the only DDD you, you had was your bra size, so... Well, I have two of those. Two Ds? No, three Ds, but one of each. Oh! I, 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 I'm not a uniboob. <laughs> Glad we gave that content warning early on. <laughs> yes. Um, and the other good thing. Yes. Uh, that I accomplished way, way back when we started, or way, way back when you started this podcast, because I don't want to claim credit for this one because I just show up and, and rant occasionally. Yes. Uh, we talked about my long-term goals. Yes. And one of them was to make Dog Skull Patch better. Yes, absolutely. And... Today, the tree guys are out there, finally, after long and grim attempts oh, to locate them and several false starts. We we just gave up on those other guys and got a new one. It was, and, it was hey, guys, you have no idea what this oh negotiation is. Oh, my God. Yeah. Months, months and despair. And I wasn't even doing most of it because I lucked into a sort of partnership with the uh, with UNC, I believe, the mm-hmm. local... Um, uh, the college who is working on a sustainable farming initiative that uh, is is pairing landowners with people, and they actually found everybody. And like, I'm not paying them, and they're just like leaving their office and coming out <laughs> and supervising the tree guys and being like, yeah, just leave a buffer with the neighbors. And I'm like, this is amazing. And also, I'm not paying you. I'm paying the tree guys. Oh yeah, quite a lot of money. In fact, I'm I like you know a book advance worth because it turns out clearing seven acres costs a lot of money, but. You're not, and, and we should we should clarify. You're not clear cutting. No, no, not clear cutting. This is uh, this is for a technique called silva pasture, mm-hmm. where um, basically they're going through and removing all the trees under a certain size, and what you get is a nice, um, more or less savanna uh, mm-hmm. with with occasional trees. So it's got more shade than a typical savanna, but it's very close to the original oak savanna that was here uh, before white people showed up and fucked everything the hell up. Right. And uh, this is a a fire or grazer controlled ecosystem. Individual trees provide shade. Everything does better. And because of global warming, uh, silva pasture is definitely the wave of the future in the south and whatnot. Yep. But mostly, I'm wandering around, and it's so amazing. There's all this sun in dog skull patch oh, and really? individual wow. trees, and just and you look up and it's just blue sky and occasional trees, and you're like, "This is incredible! I am going to plant so many things." I am like, "I'm going to go plant a hedgerow right here. I can see the neighbor house, so we're going to fix that." And uh, oh, also, they they had a, a specialty tool that they you have two specialty tools. Okay. Uh, this is uh, they, they came in bobcats, and they have what is called a forestry head and a mulching head, and it's 
It's a giant grinder, basically. Really? Not even a grinder. More like a power sander. Okay. But with studs on it, like <laughs> like a studded power sander. And they go up to a tree, and these are all just like shitty little pine trees. Like, you know, uh, maybe uh, they're leaving anything over eight inches, basically. But it's because... That, that's of, diameter. Yeah, yeah. But uh, the way that... Um, that uh, if you abandon fields in the south, what happens is you get a pine forest. Oh yeah, and it's a very tightly grouped pine forest oh, of yeah. crappy yellow and uh, slash and loblolly pine, mm-hmm. and basically what we call you know trash pine or junk pine. Yep, and it's it, nothing lives in it. It doesn't even really support anything of interest to anyone. It's a very, um, uh, I'm not going to say it's, it's the ecosystem equivalent of a food desert. Yeah. There's, there's very little that, that lives there. Like birds will come in and put nests there, but they have to feed on the edges because it just doesn't provide Anything. Um, it, the one sort of ecosystem service it provides is that if it rains, that you know the roots hold things together a bit. But it's a very impoverished ecosystem. That's the word I'm yep. after. Uh, prairies are way better. So <laughs> I'm like, you know, yes, on the one hand, I'm cutting down trees, but also I'm going to be planting, you know, grasses like big blue stem who will have roots deeper than those trees were tall and store carbon forever. Uh, all that said. Mm. It it yeah it's it's amaze balls I am and and so this giant grinder they just sort of on the bobcat it goes up to a tree and goes and the tree like just sort of the top falls off and then they just push down and like sand the stump to the ground. Okay, that's pretty awesome. Yeah, and then mulch sprays everywhere, and it's I mean in a very visceral monster truck kind of way it's really amazing it's really satisfying you're just like whoa dude uh yeah it's now i i can hear people already saying um you said this is either fire or grazer controlled what are you going i am not going to burn it uh the uh the plan is this program uh pairs with uh local farmers Mm -hmm. and so we're going to get uh uh, a tenant farmer on to uh to help control it so we're that's all taken care of so yeah and and so this is a long-term goal coming to fruition a a long-term goal yeah no and that that deserves some celebration which you're doing, I'm sure, with wine and video games later. Uh, yes, but that's also how I self-medicate is wine and video games, and um, just my daily routine is wine and video games. So honestly, basically, my life is just wine and video games, which um, actually sounds amazing, and I don't feel guilty about it at all. No, not really, not really. <laughs> so yeah, and I'm on. I'm I'm our incident investigator this week. It's my turn, uh, basically, doing on call for the daytime. So that's. I'm not being very what I, I'm not being what feels very productive at work, but things are getting done because I'm the person holding the line against the darkness, right? Right. Um, and Friday, when I go off that last shift, I'm probably going to post that that one that there's one image from Game of Thrones. I've never watched Game of Thrones, but there's this one uh, gif of 
one of the characters coming down off that big ass wall going, my watch has ended and walking off. Right. And that's the one I'm going to post. That's the one I post at like 6 PM Friday on after my last week of, of on call, um, you know, the last day of my week of on call. Uh, but you know, it's, it's, it's good. It's good. And, uh, I can't wait to be, it's a nice break from what I was doing last week. So I can't wait to be productive on it next week. Yes. Thinking of being productive on things. You have an interview. I have an interview uh, with Jane Lynn Skull, author, and her husband, uh, retired archaeologist Jim Moore. And we will talk to them live at Bubonicon right after this. small crowd, tiny crowd really at Bubonicon, but I have stellar guests and that's what matters. So with me at the moment, I have uh, Jane Linskull and Jim, I have no idea what your last name is. Moore. Moore, Jim Moore. And we're going to talk about how you guys are productive and it's going to be very different, I think, because you're both in very different professions. So can you introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about what you do? Jane, you first. Okay. My name is Jane Linsgold. I'm a full-time writer of science fiction and fantasy. I have something like 25 published novels and 70-something published short stories and a couple of books of nonfiction. And I used to be a college English professor, but I got better. But you got better. Yeah. Uh, and then Jim? Hi, I'm Jim Moore. I am uh, an archaeologist. Uh, Recently retired after 31 years as a senior project director. So I have run archaeological excavations all over the state of New Mexico for longer than 31 years. Oh, wow. So, yeah. So so you've done the project management, which means this will be fun. This will be really fun. Great. Um, so the next question uh, is, how do you keep yourself organized? Here's where the compare and the contrast comes in. <laughs> um, I like to joke that I'm a Virgo. So I'm really organized. Okay. My office is set up with, at my left of my desk, is a cubby system with something like, let me see, count four by three, 12, uh, eight and a half by 11 cubbies for manuscript size paper, and then a larger thing at the bottom. And then... I have on top of it, I have an apothecary's chest, which has Ooh. drawers. Drawers are exciting. Yeah, right. You can put cool things in drawers, and, and I don't label them. So it's always a little exciting to find where the paper clips are, but hey. Um, and I have a Chinese jewelry chest that I keep in between size things in. Okay. It won't fit in the apothecary chest. And then we built an office under our house, I guess about 10 years ago now, and it has a big closet. 
Okay. When my friend Walter John Williams came over to see the room after it was built, he said, wow, a family of four could live in this closet <laughs> comfortably. And it has file cabinets. Uh-huh. Yeah. So I'm actually horribly organized, um, but I like it. It makes me happy. <laughs> and you can find things when you go looking for them. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, how about you, Jim? Well, I'm probably less organized than Jane. Okay. But at least in my work, I did so many projects over so many years that I had the sequence memorized and I knew exactly what I needed to do and when it needed to be done. Mm -hmm. Plus, I came up with some really good assistants who kept me straight. And I could turn things over to them so that I didn't have to depend on my faulty memory. I could depend on their less faulty memory. Faulty memory, faulty memory. Yes. Yep. I'm very organized on my computer, though. Oh. He's better than I am on that. I only just discovered that you can make folders. I'm, yes, laugh at me, computer geek. It's okay. But I... I only I only just discovered that you can make folders and folders inside of folders, uh, and that's very exciting. Now the problem is remembering where I put the folder inside the folder, but hey. I, I actually have an organizational system for my folders in my document folder, so that I, and I put it consistently across machines, so that anytime, because I have my work machine, I have my personal machine, I have the recording machine, and it's like, nope, gotta keep it, if I keep it the same, I'll know where to find things, no matter what machine I'm on. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. that's exciting. Yeah. Another folder. <laughs> well, it's the default document folder, so it's like, there's my projects folder, and it's clearly labeled projects, and the, the you know, the, the personal stuff folder where I keep, like, taxes and bios and job applications and stuff. So, you know, and, and I just keep it that way. So. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The one place I'm not really organized is when I'm running my role-playing game. And since I've been running the same game for seven and a half years now, we're getting to the point of digging through huge stacks of paper looking for, mm-hmm. okay, how long did it take to get from Arparvis to Juxtalakis? <laughs> and, and we need to, oh, and we all go through our notes. So, so, uh, but you, uh, you're definitely paper note people. You're not yes. keeping your notes on your, your devices or anything. I don't. When I'm running a game, mm-hmm. I don't like. Um, I don't like the computer monitor between me and my players. Okay. So, yeah. you know, if we get a little further along, maybe that'll be a necessity. Mm-hmm. But, um, but right now, my feeling is it really gets in the way. They're now playing to the back of a computer monitor, right. not to me. Cool. Now, now you said you could, your, your computer organized differently. Yeah. Yeah? Well, I, I have one computer. You have one computer, okay. And I, I actually used it for work for a lot of years mm-hmm. and, and personally. So mm-hmm. I use my own computer. Um, I have files for different types of documents. Uh, all my text documents were in... One set of file, one one mm-hmm. over folder, and all my statistical, all my data oh, files yeah. were in another separate folder with lots of subfolders in there, mm-hmm. and subfolders within subfolders, <laughs> and then I have to go through all the subfolders of subfolders of subfolders and try to figure out just where did I put that. Then there's your photos. I, uh, yeah, I, I I like to take photos. Mm-hmm. Um, I have far too many photos, 
and I have created a lot of folders and subfolders for them just to keep them organized and give me an idea of when the heck did I take that photo. Yep. Yeah, I, I love the new import off the digital cameras where it's like, we're just going to organize this by date for you. And I'm like, okay, great. That helps a lot. And if I didn't turn off geotagging, I could at least search by where I took the photo, but that doesn't always work. <laughs> so it's much more, uh, I have to remember, okay, when was I in that place? So that's where I will find the the folder with the with those photos. I put them under names because I'll never remember the date. Uh, yeah. Uh, it's, it's the more places we go, the more of a problem it yeah. becomes. Yeah. So through all that, that's the, the physical side of things. What about the systems and habits you use to, to keep yourself going or to keep organized or to keep yourself productive? Why don't you go first? <laughs> um, I can't say I had an actual system other than I need to work on this project today because I was often, almost always, mm -hmm. uh, working on multiple projects at a time. Mm -hmm. And I would focus on specific parts of specific projects for a certain amount of time mm -hmm. and try to get to a stopping point before I pick up something else. But that invariably, you know, somebody comes in with an emergency and you have to stop there yep. and pick it up again later. Mm -hmm. um, so it was just a matter of, of either allotting a certain amount of time per day to work on a particular chapter for a report or a, a statistical analysis or something like that, and then putting it aside and starting on the next one and trying to keep in my mind where I was. And there are studies that say for every, every time you get interrupted in the middle of something, it takes you at minimum 15 minutes to get back to what you were on track. At of. least, yeah. At least, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and uh, you know, even day to day, mm -hmm. if I was writing a chapter for a report, you can't write one in a full day in one right, day. Right. So I would always start the day after by reviewing and rereading re and editing mm -hmm. everything I wrote the day before to put myself back in the same place and then continue on. Okay. So you did you basically you do a daily review of what you did the day before. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. All right. <laughs> yeah, here's the question. Um, my my work habits have definitely evolved over time. So I'll, I've been doing, I've been a full-time writer since the middle of 1994. Right. So it's been a lot of changes mm -hmm. in that time. Um, but there are a couple of, of things I do. Uh, social media. First and email first thing in the morning mm -hmm. while I'm having my coffee and still waking up. I have a very important assistant, my, my cat, Kel, yeah. parks herself on my desk and helps me. And so then I really do try. It's hard sometimes, especially, you know, it's, it's a way too often said things. But when you're a writer, you really are by yourself. Oh, so yeah. The, yeah. the urge to wander on over, like Ursula, I kind of like Twitter. Yeah. Uh, rather than Facebook or, or whatever. So, you know, the urge to, gee, I wonder if Ursula and Kevin and Pat posted anything new about the chickens today, <laughs> you know, or whatever, just to break that feeling. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, but I really do try email, social media, first thing in the day. Mm -hmm. Then we usually, since Jim retired, take a break 
and have something to eat together. We play right. a computer game for a little bit, have mm-hmm. something to eat. We have a couple elderly animals that we try and take care of their medication then. Yeah, yeah. And then it's back to the desk, and that's when I try and turn my brain over to the writing side mm-hmm. of things. Um, I, I work best on one project at a time. Right. I can be editing one and writing on another, but it doesn't work really well. Uh, possibly because of my English professor background, the editor brain is right. very, very strong. <laughs> but as a writer, I'm a really intuitive mm-hmm. writer who just wants to crawl into my characters' heads and be there. So writing and editing side by side ultimately start clashing. So yeah. I try and divide them up. Okay. Um, solitaire is a great, actually a great organizational thing. Mm-hmm. I can use it almost like... A commercial break. Right. Clear, yeah. clear the brain between one project and the next project. So plain solitaire, I do limit myself, but plain solitaire can be an organizational thing, not a time waster. Well, it's, it's the same with my chickens. Mm-hmm. Like my brain is all crammed up with what I've been working on or this meeting. It's like, okay, I'm going to go outside. I'm going to stand, give the chickens some treats for about five minutes, and then I'll come back in. And it's, it's, just, it's just sort of like that, that flushing the system yeah. cycling. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Um, here's a fun one. This one could be fun. Um, how do you decide what to do first, and how has that changed since you retired? <laughs> it's changed a lot since I retired. Um, normally what I did first when I was going to an office was to mm-hmm. check my email and find out if anything new had blown up, mm-hmm. and uh, then immediately get back into what I'd been working on the day before, or a new phase of something if, if, it, if it was time. Now I get up and I have a little breakfast and read for a little bit. Mm-hmm. And currently, uh, as soon as I'm done eating, I head out to our library shed. Okay. Because I have a lab set up out there. I'm doing an analysis <laughs> for one of the uh, New Mexico State Monuments. Mm-hmm. A friend of mine who used to work for me. Uh, his director there, and uh, he asked me if I would look at 1,500 pieces of chipped stone for them. So I'm wow. up there with my microscope and scale and calipers and everything, uh, analyzing the artifacts until it's time for us to have breakfast or brunch. Mm-hmm. And then I'll usually go back out for another hour and a half or so, mm-hmm. and by then it's too hot. Yeah, yeah. And we have no heating or cooling out there, so I quit there and go on and do whatever else needs to be done that day. Mm -hmm. But uh, things change from day to day because I'm retired and I don't have a schedule, so I can do what I want. There you go. And I have to brag on Jim. Um, He's he's a real master of Mm -hmm. lithic analysis. He can look at, like, something so tiny you just discard it and tell you, where it came from, who did it. And one of my favorite stories about this is he was teaching lithic analysis to two young hotshots at his office. And they were definitely doing the test, the limits. The old man can't really know as much as he thinks he does. And so they came in, Jim, we can't figure out the wear pattern on this rock. And he says, looked at it and said, well... If I didn't know better, I'd say somebody whacked this thing with a bit of rebar. <laughs> and their faces just 
Whoa. Just fell. <laughs> because that's exactly what they've done. They've gone out and whacked the yeah. rock with a chunk of... Oh, yeah. wow. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so the, the, he's really good. Yeah. He's really good. Well, what about you? How do you decide what to, what to do first? I mean, um, Honestly, I usually do what I don't want to do first. Okay. And sometimes that's a problem because if it's really bad, it wears me out, and then I mm -hmm. don't have any energy left. Yeah. So I need to work on getting around that. Um, but I try to get the stuff I don't want to do out of the way because otherwise it's niggling in the back of my head. And then I go and I wander off into whatever imaginary world I'm living in in the moment. Right. And try my darndest to forget the rest of the world for a while and go there. Cool. Um, but it's really, it's really trying to clear as many of the things I don't want to do out of the way first so that I can go and run with the wolves or whatever. Um, but... I'm, I'm working, you know, this yeah, is yeah, about yeah. productivity. Yeah. I've got to admit, there's a problem with this because sometimes by the time I get all of the garbage stuff out of the way, mm -hmm. I'm either so cranky or so tired, I right. can't right. go off to my happy place. So I think I need to find a balance between um, throwing out the stuff that... You can polite. swear, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I try not to. It's a sign of a lack of imagination, I've been told. Um, I was going to say, I, I've heard some imaginative things, <laughs> some imaginative combinations over the years. So, yeah. yeah, so that's, that's actually something I'm working on, is finding mm -hmm. the right balance between getting rid of the stuff that annoys me and allowing myself... Sometimes it's... When I when you make your living doing something you really love, like mm -hmm. I love writing, you feel like you're cheating. Yeah. You know, can how that. can I possibly justify my existence when I'm having a really great time writing and you know. Yeah. So the, the whole lie that work shouldn't be fun. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So that's that's been an interesting conflict for me, especially mm -hmm. um as I've moved away from having more and more traditional publishing deadlines that I right. have to meet, I feel like I'm cheating. <laughs> Even more. Yeah. yeah. Um, all right, so now the last two questions, oh, well, the last three questions. Um, we'll do this, this, the, this one, and then we'll get to, well, I call them, the last two questions, I call them the fun, uh, or no, the easy but sad one, and the difficult but fun one. And I'll let you choose which one you want to do first, after we talk about what the best advice or feedback you've been given is. Oh, you're bouncing, Jane. Cool. <laughs> yeah. Well, this is actually a, a great story. Um, as, as some of you, I don't know if you know this, but when I was making the transition from being, uh, I'd finished grad school and I was moving into, I guess I need to back up and say, I always wanted to write, but I didn't really apply myself to trying to write mm -hmm. until I had finished my graduate work. Right. And then I looked at my life, and this kind of fits into your productivity thing, yeah, and yeah. I said, life eats as much available time as you have. So before life finds a way to eat the time I've been putting into doing my dissertation mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. everything else, I'm going to plug writing into that. Okay. And... At about the exact same time, through a great bit of serendipity in the universe, mm -hmm. I met, though it was at first just by correspondence, Roger Zelazny. Right. And we hit it off like a house on fire and used to exchange long letters and everything else. And one day in one of his letters, he, he just mentioned in passing that 
his work habit tended to be right sitting down four to five, three to four times a day and trying to write at least three to four sentences. Mm-hmm. And somewhere in there, things would catch on fire. Right. And he would come to to discover he'd written a whole bunch of pages. Well, I looked at my life. I mean, I'm teaching <laughs> college full time at that point. I had five classes, sometimes five preps. Yeah. It was a really heavy load. I was teaching writing and composition, mm-hmm. so I sometimes had as many as 500 papers a term to grade oh. from just the composition classes. That right, didn't right. count the lit classes. And I'm like looking at this letter and going, yeah, three to four times a day, <laughs> three to four times a day, three to, and then my brain kind of did this funny click and went, wait, three to four times a day, three to four pages. Three times four is 12. Sentences. Sentences. I can certainly manage three to... Thanks, baby. <laughs> I can certainly manage three to four sentences a day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I can certainly manage 12 sentences a day. 12, 12 real sentences, mm-hmm. not just a you know, yes-no dialogue. Right. I can do this. And that became my... And still, mm-hmm. to this day, is my, my guideline and mantra no matter how much i'm stuck i say you can at least do 12 sentences that's all i'm asking of you today brain mm-hmm. 12 sentences today that's all and since i've managed to write over a novel a year over it's... 70 published short stories a couple yeah. of books of nonfiction, you know this is working mm-hmm. so oddly enough the best advice I got was sort of indirect advice, but Roger right. talking about his work habits and making it clear that you didn't have to do the, you know, sit down and write a massive tome all at once right. was huge. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, I know writers who do the massive tome or the writers like Ursula who are like, I have three projects going and I'm working <coughs> on, on, you know, this manuscript. I think I'm done with that one for today and then I'll go to the other one. Um, and that doesn't work for everybody, but you know, even with that idea that you can just get that little bit out today, if, as long as you make a little forward progress, even if it's crap, even if you throw it out later, that's huge. Yeah. Right? Uh, so how about you, Jim? Probably the best advice I ever got in my life <clears throat> was back when I was applying to graduate schools, and I had been accepted in two schools, mm-hmm. and neither one of them was my first choice. <clears throat> I was talking to a guy who at that time was a graduate student and uh, asking, you know, how do I choose which, where, where I go? He said, one of them offered you money? I said, yeah. I said, go where they're offering you money. <laughs> and, yeah, that sounds, that sounds really not so good. But, but as a piece of advice for me, it put me in New Mexico mm-hmm. In a school that wasn't a good school for me, so I left it after I left the program after a year and and worked to get into another program, but it put me where I wanted to be, mm-hmm. connected me with a bunch of good people, some of whom I am still friends with, and put me on the course that made me who I became. Right, and to me that's good advice. Mm-hmm. All right, awesome. Do you want the Difficult but happy question, or the, as, as I've been told by people who listen, obviously, the easy but sad question. Easy but sad, easy. because I'd rather stop on a happy note. Absolutely. Yeah, I might, I might actually just permanently arrange them. More people are choosing that order. <gasps> so, how do you deal with failure when you miss a goal? 
frankly, in the business I've been in, mm -hmm. I shrug my shoulders and set a new goal. Okay. And just go on. Mm -hmm. uh, blown deadlines, yeah, we blow deadlines all the time. <laughs> I'm still working on um, trying to finalize uh, the report for a project that we started in 1999. Wow. The report was due a long time ago, but mm -hmm. due to many different factors that right. you really don't want me to go into, <laughs> uh, it's taken a hell of a long time to mm -hmm. get everything to the point it's at now. Right. And you just, I, I, I yearn to have things already done and finished, mm -hmm. but I'm not going to beat myself up for not having them done because, unless it's my fault that something got screwed up. Right. If, if, if it's other circumstances that are, are causing the, the, the problems, I just have to shrug my shoulders and go on because right. what else am I going to do? You can't control what you can't control. I can't control what I can't control, mm -hmm. so I do what I can, and I just, I persevere. Mm -hmm. It all gets done. It just may take a little longer than it was supposed to. Okay, Jane, I see you looking sort of with dread at the microphone <laughs> now. So. Yeah, uh, could you repeat the question? Yeah, um, how do you deal with failure or when you miss a goal? Oh, boy. Um, <laughs> I'm not really good at it. Uh, I especially, one thing that a lot of people who don't know me well would be surprised to find out is I have a really terrible temper, as in the, you know, mm -hmm. when, you know, the I had no idea, so, yeah. hit the wall, punch a hole through the wall kind of temper. And when I miss a goal and it's my fault, that temper tends to get taken out on myself. Mm -hmm. But when something gets screwed up because somebody else didn't hold up their right. part of the yeah. thing, I'm not, I'm not a happy place to be. Um, I, so how do I deal with failure? I guess the first thing I do is start breaking down where the failure happened. Mm -hmm. I'd probably be a good systems analyst. Right. You know, I start working backwards. Um, and, and this is a, here's an example. It's very recent, and it has nothing to do with me losing my temper, which is good. Um, David Weber and I have been talking for over a year now uh, mm -hmm. about Bain Books is interested in having another book in the Star Kingdom series right. that we're doing, which is a prequel to the Honor Harrington. Stephanie is mm -hmm. Honor's many times great-grandmother. And so, like a year plus ago, when we would congregate together, right. um, uh, yeah. he, he said, hey, Bain wants another book. And we talked for a while, and then Christmas time rolled around, and we put it on side, and we didn't talk about it again until, <laughs> <laughs> until my new book, Wolf Search, came out just a month ago. And he, that suddenly reminded him we had this project yeah. hanging fire. But see, I hadn't minded because I had something else I wanted to work on. Mm -hmm. And we started having real communication difficulties. And Weber and I are actually really close. He's, yeah. he's, I like to say he's like the brother I never had because my brother and I are mm -hmm. enough apart in age and stuff that that whole, you know, what's your brother relationship isn't yeah, there. Yeah. Weber's like the brother I never had. Um, and we were just having so much trouble communicating. Mm -hmm. It was definitely a failure moment. Right, right. And I was saying to Jimmy, I don't know if I can can deal here. And I that but because I trust him, 
and I like him, rather than viewing him as an antagonist, mm -hmm. I just stopped and I wrote him an email and said, all right, let's rewind. Let's mm -hmm. drop talking about this entirely. And why are you saying these things? They're not making sense to me. Right. And it turned out that he had forgotten how old Stephanie was. Oh. Because it has been several years since we did a Stephanie book together, and he's very fixated on a pivotal moment that happens in Stephanie's life when she's 19. Mm -hmm. And he keeps thinking about it, and I would, I'll just leave it to say that psychologists <laughs> might find it fascinating <laughs> to wonder why he is so fixated on this particular point in Stephanie's life. But that's not going to happen for three years. Oh. Stephanie's 16. And when you're writing a YA series, mm -hmm. skipping three years in a character's life is epic. Oh, that's epic. a big deal. Big deal, yeah. So we finally worked this out mm -hmm. and came to the... Um, came And he, when he realized it, suddenly we were able to communicate. Right. Be, but we had really been at counterpoints mm -hmm. because he's thinking she's like... 17, almost 18, this pivotal thing's going to happen. She's 19, mm -hmm. so we need to set up the groundwork for that. And I'm thinking she's 16, and why is he talking as if this is just around the corner? Right, right. And it was a real failure. Mm -hmm. and, if, and if we hadn't been able to communicate, the mm -hmm. project probably would have ended there. Right. Um, but the fact that I finally sat down and did the micromanagement, okay, <laughs> Why is this so out of control? Obviously, I need to back up and find out, mm -hmm. here's the problem. So in the ideal universe, the best way I deal with failure is by breaking it into small parts and finding out where the fracture started happening. Right. The worst is when I'm storming around. And you're causing fractures in the physical objects around you. Or the cats are hiding under the furniture, yeah, you yeah. know, and going, oh boy, mom's lost it. And I don't really like that part of me, but yeah. it's a reality. Yeah. And, but you've come to, at least you accept it, you know it's happening, so you know how to kind of... I know that I don't like it, too, yeah. rather than justifying it. But, you know, when I was a kid, I read Tarzan novels, and mm -hmm. it was like, you know, this is was one of Tarzan's, you know, talk mm -hmm. gaming terms. It was yeah. considered an advantage that he could right. go into this red rage oh, yeah. and tear everything, and the scar on his forehead would throb and, and all of that. So learning to accept that actually losing my cool mm -hmm. was not advantageous was a big, big yeah, stage. Yeah. Wow. So on the flip side, let's talk about success. Do you celebrate your successes? And if you do, how? See, this is why this is the hard but happy question. <laughs> um, it depends on the, <clears throat> excuse me, it depends on the success mm -hmm. uh, as to how I, I Celebrate. Yes, I do celebrate successes. Mm -hmm. Sometimes they're very quiet celebrations right. inside my head. Other times it's it's happy thumping joy dance. <laughs> Tell them about your camera lens. How'd you celebrate thirty something years as an archaeologist? Just before I was ready to retire, I decided I needed a really good telephoto lens for mm -hmm. my camera. Yeah. So I went out and spent essentially three times what I spent on the camera for the lens, which is typical. Yeah, that's about right, yeah. And got myself a 160 to 750 uh, oh, lens. That's, I think that's the next one I want, yeah. Oh, they are great. They're <laughs> great. Uh, and his wife fully agreed because I said, 
your your office will make something of a fuss over you for retiring, but mm -hmm. we need to mark the fact that you did 30-something years mm -hmm. as a successful professional. Go on. Yeah. So and I've taken a lot of pictures with it, have a great <laughs> time. I've taken a number of pictures that have shown up on Jane's blog. Okay, yeah. And uh, The picture we sent you of the quail yeah. with oh, the yeah, dust the motes in the, the air. Yeah. Yeah. We'll, we'll have to get that one. Mm -hmm. we'll, we'll link that one. Yeah. yeah. So that, that was a celebration. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes, though, if it's just finally getting something done mm -hmm. that has been in the works for 10 years, it's just this feeling of relief and there's no immediate reaction mm -hmm. because it takes me a while to realize it's done. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, that 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 twenty year report now, you're gonna it's gonna take you like a week and then you're just gonna be like, let's go have that big dinner that yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I just I've got a paper mm -hmm. that myself and two colleagues have been working on for Seven seven years. years. <laughs> Taking us seven years. The last year plus dealing with uh, the journal mm -hmm. and getting thank get it getting it reviewed, responding to reviews, getting it reviewed again, responding right. to reviews again. It was finally accepted earlier this 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 year, earlier this, earlier this summer. And uh, I haven't celebrated yet because I'm I'm waiting on page proofs now. <laughs> He didn't but, say it was accepted in American Antiquities, which is the premier right, journal yeah. of archaeology in this country. It's kind of like which, hitting Asimov. Which yeah, for a yeah. non-academic archaeologist, mm -hmm. it's really hard to even get your foot in the door. This was huge. I was dancing. <laughs> I understood what a big deal it was. Had four reviewers. Three said, yeah, this paper's good. Mm -hmm. Publish it. The fourth one basically said, I hate this, <laughs> and disagree with them. Well, that's, that's yeah, the nature of reviewers, yeah. That's the way it works, and that's the kind of response we expected. So yeah. that's quite, quite all right. But uh, once uh, I've done the page proofs, I think I'll probably do a little celebrating then because it will be more real. Yeah. And once the page proofs are done, it's just a matter of the magazine publishing or the journal publishing it's you don't yeah. have to submit anything else uh, right and it's basically just like publishing a book <laughs> it'll come out maybe in january maybe mm -hmm. in april we don't know yet so yeah about like publishing a book uh -huh. yeah. you've turned everything in and now it's up to the publisher and you go on to the next project because they've got the check and that's fine yeah except there's no check because there's no check in the <laughs> yeah and but, they yes. get the copyright which, yeah, of course, since I'm a professional writer, That's the a idea other, yeah. of going, you sign away your copyright? No, no. Yeah, I know, I know. I didn't like that idea either, but it's, it's, a, it's a necessity. Mm -hmm. um, but, frankly, I knew what all the steps I'd be going through were because I live with a writer. Yeah, yeah. All right, your turn, Jane. Um, well, I bet you live with Ursula. You know yeah. exactly what I'm going to say, which is by the time the book comes out, Mm -hmm. I'm already deep into something else, and it's a little hard yeah. to go. You know, people are like, oh, you're so excited that this is out, I bet. And I'm like, it's out? Um, wow, that's great. Um, I'm really happy. I'm 
three books somewhere yeah. else. Um, oh, that old thing? That's her thing. God, didn't I finish that like two years ago? Yes, you finished it two years ago. That's how long it took to get it sold and published. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, so. Yeah. So it was, oh, yeah. yeah, so switching over, I've been doing some indie pub lately. Mm -hmm. And that was kind of cool because I was still buzzed from having completed the book. Yeah. And then I could, you know, we finished the formatting and the proofing and mm -hmm. then ordered copies and they were on my doorstep while I was still feeling buzzed. So that was kind yeah, of Yeah, that's, that's pretty cool right there, yeah. Um, on the whole, one of the best things that happened to me was about two, three years ago, I read a really good article about bullet journals for mm -hmm. writers. Yeah, there's, there have been a couple really good articles about that. Yeah, yeah. and this one... The person who wrote the article, I'd never even heard of a bullet journal. So that, was, that uh, okay. itself was useful. Yeah. But bullet journals for writers. But she included one thing that I found was really, really helpful. Mm -hmm. She said, include a page for your achievements. Mm -hmm. Not part of your timeline, not time for anything else. Right. So because it's really easy to lose sight of your success mm -hmm. in the day-to-day -day of being a self-employed person. Oh, yeah. It I, I know that well myself. Yeah. yeah. And so um, now if something good happens, like you know, big or small, I write it on the achievements page, not mm -hmm. just as part of the chronological timeline that I also keep. And that helps me keep focused that I am mm -hmm. achieving something. Right, right. Um, keeping the bullet journal in itself has been helpful for keeping a sense of success. Mm -hmm. My habit up to about that two years ago was I would start every week by making a to-do list and putting it underneath my monitor and crossing off things. Mm -hmm. But then the next, and that was great. At the end right. of the week, I'd look at all those crossed off things. Yeah. But the beginning of the next week, I'm starting with a new list and no sense of any achievement. Right, right. And it began to feel like Harriet's hamster wheel, you know. Yeah. I'm yeah. just, I'm just going around and going around and going around. Mm -hmm. Um and that helped the it's still very hard for me to reward myself concretely because I've been poor more of my life than I've been otherwise right um and I'm trying to learn that one uh so when wolf search came out uh the anime company I like to buy from also happened to be having a really good sale oh well all right then yeah and I went and I ordered the complete Subasa Reservoir Chronicles, <laughs> including the extra OVAs and Exholic <laughs> and the movies. And they were on sale, and I got all of them for only $63. Uh, see, there, that's a win, too. So that's yeah. worth, yeah. that's a celebrating a celebration. And then yeah. and Jim said, hey, you know, I'm going to watch them, too. I'll split it with you. And I said, no, I am reminding myself I have made an achievement mm -hmm. here, and I can at least spend $63 right. on anime. There you go. All right. So that's everything. All right. Um, do you have anything else you want to share with the listeners? And it can be self-promotion. It can be whatever. I mean, I'm going to ask you, where can we find out more? Mm -hmm. And then you're going to email it to me because I'm going to be scribbling, trying to get it off this transcript later. But, um, <laughs> yeah. Anything? I have nothing to promote because okay. I'm retired and <laughs> that's it. <laughs> I think the one thing I want to add is that 
possibly the best thing for my productivity mm -hmm. is that for the last 20 something years, I can't remember how long, I've been married to somebody who really understands what it is to be a writer and right. how screwy it is. Uh, yeah. Um, Jim and I met when I moved to New Mexico. Um, I was living with Roger and I said to Roger, the one thing I miss from my past life is gaming. Mm -hmm. And George and and Roger said, "Hey, well, George Martin has a game group. Let me see if he can tell us, <laughs> tell me." Um, by the way, this is the problem with Bubonicon. By the way, is that these sorts of conversations happen? Oh yeah, George Martin has a game group, and we're just going to go play at, at George's game group, or yeah, stuff like that. So. Well, so so what happened is George was was mm -hmm. uh, was very welcoming, mm -hmm. and um, but there were there were three people in the gaming group mm -hmm. who weren't. Um, writers. Right. This archaeologist, mm -hmm. um, a roofer named Chip, and <laughs> Melinda Snodgrass's ex-husband, Carl. And I thought the archaeologist was pretty cute, but I'm very yeah. monogamous. Yeah. I'm, I'm sort of serially monogamous. Yeah. Uh, I'm familiar with the, with the way that works, yeah. And so it was like, you know, nice, nice to look at, mm. but, uh, but that's as far as it goes. But after Roger died um, and Jim and I got involved, it was terrific for me because Jim had had all these friends who were writers. Mm -hmm. He had been part on the periphery. He was one of the people who helped invent wild cards. Okay. And he was, and he's in, he and he and Chip, the roofer, are mentioned in the very first wild card story. Mm -hmm. It's not a very nice mention. George was obnoxious, uh, yeah. but 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 they're there, um, and uh, but it's been super terrific for me um, to live with somebody who really understands I'm not a workshopper I don't share my stuff in process right so Jim is used to me going can I read you a paragraph it'll make no sense to you at all but I want to see how it flows does it make you laugh it's making mm -hmm. me laugh um, I've just it's been terrific um, I'm I'm just beyond blessed so you don't get hit, handed a half half-done manuscript saying, does this embarrass my ancestors and do I need to go become a medical test subject? And then every time you're like reading through it and you make a sniffle, a sneeze, uh, a, a chuckle, she's up in your face going, what was that for? Where were you reading? What? Yeah, so you don't get that. I'm kind of no, jealous. No, no, I, I get a full manuscript. Okay. She's at least gone through and edited once. Mm -hmm. And I usually read it where she can't see me. Except because. Yeah. I do the because, yeah, because you do the yeah, yeah. I do the yeah. When we were until he retired, it was actually really great for me as a way to test mm -hmm. a book because he'd read it during his commute. Oh yeah, I commuted yeah. to Santa Fe. Okay, so yeah. he commuted years. up to his office in Santa Fe. So he'd read just like a real person would read. He'd read a chunk. <laughs> you know, editors don't read like real people. No, they don't. They read no. all in one chunk as a homework assignment. But mm -hmm. Jim was reading. An hour on his commute up, an mm -hmm. hour on his commute up. I was no better than Ursula. We'd, he'd call me, you know, yep. to talk at lunchtime, and I'm sitting there going, he hasn't said anything about the manuscript. He hasn't said anything about the manuscript. He hasn't said anything. Jim, where are you in the manuscript? <laughs> <laughs> so, so, yeah, I'm not, yeah, I'm yeah. not any easier. Just, no, this, it happens in This is a, a typical writer thing, yeah. You yeah. know, we, yep. we obsess until... Yeah, yeah, it's pretty bad. Oh, I'm familiar. Yeah. Yeah. So, but that to me is what I'd add in, mm -hmm. that it's really been fantastic to me. I feel so mm -hmm. incredibly lucky because, you know, there are marriages oh, yeah. that break up. 
Oh, yeah. Over the fact that writers are weird. And we spend our time with imaginary people, and they mean more than any real people to us in the world. I am sorry, real people, but there is a part. <laughs> this is true. And to live with somebody who can handle mm-hmm. that oh, yeah, is, no. is terrific. Um, on the self-promotional side, my most recent book is Wolf Search. It's mm-hmm. the seventh in the Firekeeper series and the first Firekeeper novel in ten years. None of my Ooh. publishers were interested, but my fans were. Yep. And I finally decided <coughs> I had a story that I wanted to tell. Mm-hmm. And I had people out there who wanted to read it, so I decided to take the independent publishing there you route. Go. Yeah. So the first part of it is out now mm-hmm. and the second part of it should be out, out after the new year i'm still kind of trying to figure out the the whole mm, i've got that last ten thousand words oh that bit okay i've yeah, got the yeah. last ten thousand words and a lot of weird things that mm-hmm. i can see spider webbing together but they haven't quite coalesced right so um so that's it i'm, cool. I'm really happily obsessed Yay. All right. Well, thank you both very much. Can I shake you your can, hand? You because can shake my hand, yes. They can't see it on the radio. But, no, yeah. no, 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 no. Oh, and uh, for the people at home, we'll be back uh, right after this. And we are back. Uh, Ursula has gone to her wine and video games, so I'm going to wrap things up here. First thing to say is that was a great conversation with Jim and Jane, and I can't wait for the chance to see them again in the future. Uh, I really enjoyed our time together because we hung out a little bit in between other things at Bubonicon. And of course they were the people who took us around when our flight was canceled out from under us or delayed by like 24 hours. 24 hours, 48 hours, something ridiculous like that. Last time we went to Bubonicon, and so they took us to Old Town and the uh, zoo there, which was great, and we had a blast. So it's always great to hang out with Jane and Jim. Our badge code this week. Sorry for the long pause. My brain just sort of seized up and forgot what it was doing. Our badge code this week is Fireborn in honor of Jane's new book coming out. And it came out just just this last month. She's uh, almost done with the next book in the series. So, and uh, you can get those on Amazon. I've already put links, at least for the for the one that's available now, in the show notes. So, Fireborn is our badge code. And if you want to know about the bad more about the badges on Productivity Alchemy, go to productivityalchemy.com and under the badges menu item, just click badges. There's a badge how to. And it will tell you what the badges are and about open badges and all that groovy stuff and how to claim your own. So there's that. The other thing to talk about before we go away into uh, your into our, our wait for our next week, whatever it is, I don't have Ursula here to help me keep myself on track. So it's like a balancing partnership where we keep each other on track, although 
sometimes it's a little harder than you know what I mean. Um, anyway, if you want to support us, you can go to productivityalchemy.com and there's a support link and it will tell you about all these places or at least give you actual links to these places. There is patreon.com slash Ursula V, which is Ursula's Patreon. It supports all the podcasts we do, buys a lot of the equipment we use and keeps these things free for you and me. Well, more you than me because I'm the one who's, you know, anyway, uh, you also, as a bonus, when you are one of Ursula's uh, patrons, you get all of her self-published works for free, uh, often a day or two before the general public, which is pretty cool. I'm also probably going to give uh, patrons the link to the complete Hidden Almanac, all the MP3 files bundled up, ready to go for your binge-listening pleasure, uh, probably a week early as well. So there's that. And the other place you can support us is uh, ko-fi.com, ko-fi.com slash K-S-O-N-N-E-Y, K-Sunny. And I drink a lot of coffee, and that buys me a coffee. And uh, uh, Kofi supporters are more than likely going to get that same link for early access to the complete Hidden Almanac which is pretty groovy. The other bonus on, on uh, Kofi is that there is a, I bought Kevin a coffee badge code that you can get by supporting me there. So that's, you know, if you're one of the people who's, who's collecting the badges, there's, there's a, a, a good one for you. All right. That's pretty much a wrap. Uh, again, thanks to Jane and Jim for their interview. I want to thank everybody for listening and I want you to go out there, have a good week and stay productive.